Yes, oh God. We thank you for the reality of that, that we belong to you. It gives us amazing comfort. It gives us incredible confidence, knowing that you have redeemed us, knowing that you have restored us, knowing that you refresh us and renew us. We belong to you, oh God. And, and we make that a fresh declaration this morning, that all that we are, that all that we have, that all that we hope to be, that we give that to you. In the wonderful and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. So before we get into the word this morning, I do want to, I want to officially introduce you to a couple of folks. I mentioned a few weeks ago how excited I was and how God wonderfully works. And the opportunity that he presented to, to have join our team, uh, Pucci Cologne. And so I, I want you to help me in welcoming to the church family uh, our new worship pastor, Pucci. Pastor Mike is not here today. He is still very much a part of the team. Who He's just moving into the role of executive pastor, associate pastor. Uh, he is on vacation in Washington. We'll be back on Tuesday, and we're looking forward to having him back. Uh, but this is what we knew. We knew this, that, um, that God is doing something significant in our church. And uh, I will tell you that, um, Pucci, while I appreciate, and the church had an opportunity to experience this, this morning, uh, how gifted of a musician you are. In fact, I will tell you this, when I, was talking, uh, when, I was, when I was talking to the different folks on the team about that, Doug Joseph made the comment to me, he said, Pastor, he said, I, he goes, you likely would not have noticed this. And not that he was saying anything negative about me, I'm just not a musician. He said, but most people when they lead worship, that they'll just be standing there and courting on the guitar. He said in, in some of the videos that he saw of Pucci, he said, the things that this guy is doing on the guitar are amazing, and he's just doing it very naturally while he's leading worship. And so it's, it's obvious that God has gifted you, um, gifted vocalist, gifted musician, write a lot of music. That's not why you're here. I'm convinced the reason that God has brought you here and, and what I want to say that I'm so appreciative of is the fact that at the core, you're not a musician. At core, you're a worshiper. And, and that's... It's not about performance here at Calvary. We, what we do, we want to do with excellence because God is... God deserves that we give Him our best. But it's not about performance. It, it's about connecting with God. And I love the way that you lead and worship. And I am so looking forward to seeing uh, what God does. Uh, Pucci doesn't come alone. He comes with an incredible family. Uh, they've, got a, they've got a crop of boys, four, right? Eight. Tell, tell us real quickly the ages and names. And, uh, and you have, introduce us to your amazing wife, please. And so, Joanne, thank you so much. We are thrilled to have the Colognes here. We're believing that God has great things in store for you. Listen, greet them, pray for them, treat them well. Uh, take them out someplace nice to eat. Uh, let's welcome them to the Calvary family. Amen? Amen. Thanks so much, guys. What's that? Your mom is here? Hey, you did an incredible job. So, uh, it's what a delight to have you folks here. Amen? Last Sunday, Pastor Jeff started us off on the series, Why I? 
And I want to continue that. Last Sunday we talked about why I believe. And, and so many people embrace Christianity from a cultural perspective. And they don't understand what they believe, much less why they believe what they believe. And it's very important that you understand why you believe. The simple truth is this, is that outside of the Bible, there is a wealth of evidence that God exists, that Jesus is who he claimed to be and who we claim that he is to be, that there is a heaven to gain, that there is a hell to shun. The Bible proves itself over and over again. You then take all that Scripture is, and you realize this faith that we have has substantial strength. In fact, it is an immovable rock when you understand this faith that we have. And so it's important that we believe and that we have an understanding of why we believe. This morning, I want to talk to you as we continue this, I want to talk to you about why I belong, why I belong to church, not just why I go to church, because there's a significant difference between attending a church, going to church, and belonging to a church. Amen? The writer of Hebrews wrote this in, in Hebrews chapter 10. He tells us this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead let us encourage one another. And let us encourage one another all, encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you'd make it a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. God, help us to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. Father, we commit this time, we commit these moments to you. In the wonderful, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. This past week, uh, I was, was with a team in Derry, Northern Ireland, and uh, I, the, the pastor said, hey, listen, I'm a member of this health club, and uh, I, wanted, I want to invite you to go with me to this personal training session. I, and then I thought, sure, I can do that. Uh, you know what, I've been a member of a health club before. In fact, just recently um, was given a membership to a health club again and, and haven't had the opportunity to go yet. We'll be going tomorrow. But I used to go to a health club all the time. And I thought, you know what, I used to go to health club all the time. I know what it's all about. I've been a member of a health club. I can do this. And so I show up, and, and uh, we go in the locker room, and we change, and I'm, I'm ready to go. And the, uh, the first thing that we do, we, we meet with this trainer, and he says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to, to jump on this rowing machine, and I want you to do this rowing machine for two minutes. I looked impressive. I, I rowed farther and faster than Pastor, Pastor Brian. And you know what? Listen, these guys, these guys work out all the time, right? But I was there. I was ready. Okay. I, I could bring it. Then the next event, the trainer said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to do 10 press-ups. I said, what's a press-up? And he goes, this is what it looks like. And I said, that's not a press-up. It's a push-up. And he goes, no, that's a press-up. And I said, that might be a press-up in Ireland, but in the U.S., it's a push-up. And uh, so he said, okay, I want you to do 10 whatever you want to call them. Then I want you to run here, and I want you to do 10 burpees. And then I want you to run here, and I want you to do 10 more press-ups, push-ups. Then I I want you to swing this kettlebell, this 30-pound kettlebell 10 times, and you're going to do that five times. Not a problem. Why? Because here's the thing. I've been to a health club before. I've worked out before. 
through the, the, the second set through, I started to really dislike this guy. In the third set, I did not curse, but I came very close. By the end of the third set, I may have, confession is good for the soul, I may have actually cursed. And, uh, and then we, we get to the next exercise, and I look at him and I said, seriously, I, can, I said, you can mock me all you want. I said, if I do one more thing, I'm going to throw up all over this very attractive gym. I woke up the next morning. That was, that was on Monday. It, it's now Sunday. I still, every muscle in my body hurts. And you know what I discovered? It's not good to just occasionally attend. In fact, if I just occasionally attend this health club, all it's going to do is create discomfort and pain. And I'm also, I'm going to feel somewhat uncomfortable. You know what I've noticed about connection with the church? If I just occasionally attend, oftentimes all it does is just irritate and have discomfort and even pain. Because as God is doing this this work in me, this renewing work in me, as he's sanding the rough edges off of me, if I have that done on an occasional basis, it just becomes awkward and uncomfortable. But there's something to be said for this issue of, of membership, of actually belonging, of actually investing. You may or may not be aware of this, but the trends are that church attendance in America is on the decline. And I will tell you, there, there, are, there is much hand-wringing that's going on about this today, that church attendance is in decline. Is it the fall of the church? It is not the fall of the church. I will tell you this, it is a much greater concern because the church being in decline is an example of what's happening in our society as a whole. There are almost no major social clubs that aren't experiencing decline. For example, Red Cross. Their, atten- their membership is in decline. Boy Scouts of America, their attendance is in, in decline. Uh, Rotary Club, Kiwanis, all those social clubs, their attendance is in decline. People involved in parent-teachers associations, it's a massive decline. Here's what's happening. We live in a world where the enemy has convinced us that individualism is a better construct than being connected together. Here's what the enemy loves to do. The enemy loves to isolate us because he understands that there is strength in numbers, that there's strength in community, there's strength in being connected, there's strength in family. And so if the enemy can move you from being a member of a church family to simply being an attender, he's accomplished a great victory. God understands this, and this is why centuries ago, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the writer to Hebrews said this, let us not give up the habit of gathering together. There's amazing benefit in being connected and being involved. And so this morning I want to talk to you about that because oftentimes what happens is this. When you talk with somebody about being a Christian, here's what they'll say. I can be a Christian without going to church. And I can worship without going to church. And I can connect with God without going to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. That is absolutely true. But it is 
impossible. Listen to me. Those of you that are here today, those of you that are watching via live stream, those of you that will be watching later via television, it is impossible. While I am so glad that we can have this reach through the internet and through television, it is impossible to be a healthy Christ follower and not be connected to the church family. It is impossible. And so while this is a great opportunity for you to make a connection and become aware of who we are and allow God to speak into your life, your experience with God will be incomplete if you are not deeply involved in the body of Christ. Now let me go from speaking to those who will be watching on a screen to those of you that are looking at me face to face. If you're here two, three times a month, you are missing out on so much of what God intends for you as a believer. Actually, let me go a step further. If your experience with the church is an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes on a Sunday morning, and you come in and you worship with us, you pray, you put a little bit of money in the offering, and you go, you are barely scratching the surface of what God intended as far as being connected to this community, more than a community, being connected to this family. Church is mu about much more than a few minutes on a Sunday morning, a quick prayer, and a, few, and, a, and a few tokens in the offering. It's designed to be so much more than that. And the enemy, what the enemy loves to do is the enemy loves to distract you, to frustrate you, and also to prevent opportunities and obstacles that keep you from being fully immersed in body life. Now, right now, at this moment, I understand that the enemy is going to try to speak into your life at the same time that I'm speaking into your life. And here's what the enemy will try to tell you. Look, the pastor's just trying to get more of your time. The pastor's just trying to get more of your resource. The pastor's just, listen, you need to reject that. You need to push that back and recognize this is a prophetic word for you today. That God's called you to step away from individualism and get connected to who he is and what he's doing. Because what belonging, not just attending, what belonging brings to you as a Christ follower is massive. It's massive. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, starting in verse number 19. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. So here's what he's saying. Listen, seeing how what Jesus did eliminates all the religious mumbo-jumbo and all the religious junk, and seeing how what Jesus did on the cross that it removes this barrier between us and God, and we can have this personal relationship with God. That's what the writer to Hebrews is saying. He says this, starting in verse number 22, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As you look at this portion of Scripture, you'll find this, that there is a phrase that happens over and over again. And here's the phrase, let us, let us, let us. 
There are over 30 commandments that God has given you for your benefit. 30 directives that he's called you to that enhance your life. That you cannot accomplish doing life or living faith on your own. This helps us to understand why it is that Satan would have such an insidious plot to try to make us much more individual and much less community. This idea that somehow we can do it alone. For us, our culture, our American culture, is built on this rugged individualism. It's it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. I'm going to do it. I've got to look out for number one. And in fact, when our nation was young and westward expansion was happening, they would give away land to those who would just be willing to go and stake their claim. And as, as they would do this, as they would go and travel and, and, and get to this plot of land that was given to them just to stake the claim on their land, families excited about having something they could call their own, here's what they did. They would go and they would, they would create a, a, a homestead and ultimately build a house right in the middle of their land. And they did this because out of a sense of accomplishment and a sense of pride to be able to walk out and to stand out on your front door and go, look, all that is before me all that my eye can see, this all belongs to me. But you know what they discovered? They discovered that if they had a problem with their livestock, there was no one there to help. If, if, if they needed to do something on their house or their barn, there was no one there to provide assistance. That was a little bit discouraging. Discouraging. What really brought some alarm was this, is the homesteaders, those early pioneers, they discovered that their children were becoming increasingly weird, increasingly socially awkward. And now, if you drive across America's heartland, you'll find this. In the small towns that dot the landscape, if you go into those towns, you'll find this, that they now have four families that are predominant families. In fact, all across America, you'll find towns that are called things like Gerke's Corners, Friendship Corner. And, and the, these different towns have the name Corners. And here's the reason why. Because these families, they recognized, it didn't take long for them to recognize that alone was a very bad thing. And so what they did is they moved, four families would move to the corners of their homestead. And so out of that developed a community, and out of that developed a town, and out of that developed a city. There are major cities that dot the landscape across the heartland of America now that started because four families said it's not good to do this thing called life alone. And yet our culture is slowly but surely drifting further and further apart. And we have these things called social networking. And social networking is great because we can have all kinds of friends that we can keep at arm's reach. You have four types of friendships. Number one is, is cordial. Okay. Cordial. 
for those of you that work in, 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 in large organizations, quite, quite honestly, for those of you that attend church here regularly, you'll understand cordial friendships, right? Cordial friendship. That, that guy that you see in the church parking lot every third Sunday when you come to church and you go, hey, how's it going? I think his name's Bill. Not sure. Okay? That's a cordial friendship, right? You're cordial to one another. You recognize one another. You might know one another. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good. Hey, did you see the game? Yeah. Cordial. The next level of relationship is casual. And, and cordial, I have, I have somewhere around 3,200 friends on Facebook. If you're one of my friends, hey, it's nice to, it's nice to know you. Of those 3,200 and, and some odd friends that I have on Facebook, I probably actually know about 200 of them, right? And so you send me a, a, fr a friend request on Facebook, chances are I'll accept you as a friend because that's just the kind of guy I am, right? And uh, I'm just a friendly kind of guy. And, and the, uh, uh, now, I will tell you this. If you, send me a, if you send me a friend request on Facebook, there's a decent chance that I will, be, that I will befriend you. The first time that you send me some Farmville request or, or something to play, some, you're, you're done, okay? I don't unfollow you, but here's what I do. I mean, I don't unfriend you, but here's what I do. I do unfollow you, okay? And so I have a number of people that are my friends on Facebook that I unfollow because I'm not interested in playing Farmville with you. Is that wrong? Good. Uh, thank, you for that, thank you for that encouragement. The, we go from, we go from and, and those people are a lot of my friends. Facebook friends, they're cordial friends, right? Now, step up from cordial is casual. Your casual friends, your casual friends, you know their name. You know a little bit about them. You, you, you probably know approximately where they live and, and where they work and um, may know a little bit about their story, but you're a casual friend, right? A casual friend. If, if you're looking to do something, you know, you may say, hey, Bob, you want to you wanna get together and play golf? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Great. But casual friendship does not bear a burden. I'm not going to invite a casual friend. It just suddenly got really dark in here. Um, and now it's really bright. <laughs> anyway, casual friends, we, we, we won't ask a casual friend to really bear a burden. We do that with close friends. So we have cordial, casual, close, and then we have covenant. And covenant is a relationship that is left, that, 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 is, that is, is for our relationship with God and the relationship with the person that we make a marriage commitment to. Marriage is a covenant commitment. That's the commitment that we make for, for life, okay? A covenant relationship is a relationship without terms, without time limits. That's it. I'm, I'm in till death do us part. Right? Well, even with all that we have with social networking, it's, it, it feeds this issue of, of cordial and casual while actually pushing back against close. And, and this is what I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that God has called us into koinonia, Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. And the church is supposed to be about fellowship. Well, koinonia is more than, hey, how are you doing? God bless you, I'm doing good. Hey, how are you doing? Praise the Lord, I'm doing good, but getting better. Or, hey, let's have fellowship. Great, who's bringing food? And we all eat together. 
If you bear one another's burdens, you then fulfill the law of Christ. I cannot fulfill those burdens at arm's reach. And so 30 different directives that God has given, over 30 in the New Testament, that you cannot fulfill living in this isolated environment. And if you live in an isolated environment, here's what I will tell you. Just like the pioneers learned in the early days of our nation, living life alone, we become increasingly faithless and increasingly odd. So I'm inviting you back to, you know what I'm inviting you back to? I'm inviting you back to clarity. I'm inviting you back to sanity. I'm inviting you back to membership. Why? Here's the reason why. If you look at here in Hebrews chapter 10, if you look at these let us statements, they, they show us four, I believe, huge benefits of belonging. Let's point them out. The first one this, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. You know, Martin Luther found this. Martin Luther uh, found that corporate worship, that it, it, it was very important. In fact, he, he found it to be powerful in the, wake, in, in the awakening of his spiritual life. Here's what Martin Luther said. He said this, At home, in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered, when they gather together, a fire is kindled in my heart, and it breaks, it breaks its way through. I don't know if you have this experience, but let me tell you my experience. Many times we gather together. Many times we come together on Sunday morning. My mind is consumed by all of the issues of the day, the activities of the week, the things that are on, on my agenda, the challenges that I face. And the, the last thing that I'm thinking about, even when I walk into church on Sunday morning, the last thing that I'm thinking about is worship. My focus is so far from God. And here's the reason why. Not that focusing on God isn't important. But like you, I oftentimes... I am a prisoner to the tyranny of the urgent. Right? We all have these things in our life that if we were to talk about those, those things that we would classify as our values, if I were to ask you what your personal values are, chances are most of you would say this. Here are my personal values. My personal values are family, my relationship with God, my relationship with with my church and my career. And then if we would step back from that and go, okay, so let's talk about what dominates your time. Let's talk about what, what involves the majority of your resources. So, sir, you mentioned that one of your highest values is your family. So let's talk about how much time you give your family. Let's talk about how much of your energy you give your family. I've gone from preaching to meddling, haven't I? I? I consider God to be one of my highest values. And I will tell you what, if we did a, if we did a, a survey in this room, over 90% of you, and, and part of it is this, because you're here, over 90% of you would say this, that your relationship with God is one of your highest values. And yet, over 60% of you sitting in this room do not have a daily devotional life. I don't, I don't say that to you this morning to make you feel bad. Understand this, that guilt is a work of the enemy. I do say it in the hopes that God will use this, use this moment to encourage you, to challenge you, 
for meaningful change. And so this issue of getting connected with God, God, you are important to me. Well, here's what I know, that the best Christian growth happens when I'm connected to a small group. This is the reason why over and over and over again, we challenge you to be connected to a small group. And this issue of of life. So, we're we're in the midst of life, we come into church, and and quite honestly, we are spiritually in a fog, right? And then the worship team comes out, and they start that first song, and, and you... You're not fully connected in the first song, but man, by the time they get into the second song, something starts to happen, right? You start feeling some things. By the time they transition from the second song to the third song, now you're at the place where you you start to do things like like raise your hands in in an expression of surrender third song, by that third song, you, 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 you've allowed the problems to just kind of fade away. And you're taking that moment to worship Him. I see it every Sunday. By the time you get into that third song, or if they're doing four, four songs, by that fourth song, you'll see the tears start to roll down the cheek. There's something amazing, there's something wonderful that happens in that corporate worship environment that even though it's encouraging to worship alone, even though it's refreshing to worship alone, even though we should have a daily personal devotional time where we worship God and express our praise to God, it still doesn't compare to worshiping together. It's powerful. This is why the enemy will push back against you so much on Sunday morning. Why? He'll create opportunity to keep you from being here on Sunday morning. Why? He'll throw out obstacles that will keep you from being here on Sunday morning. Ma'am, sir, I know this, that if, as a husband and wife, if you're going to fight, you're going to fight on Sunday morning. Why? Because the enemy is trying to bring disruption to your routine. And he's trying to pull you away from this commitment that you have to be in the house of God. And then on top of that, you have this issue, that, that battle, the battle of the blankets. There are a lot of people this morning that the pastor that they're listening to is Pastor Pillow. Right? They're fellowshipping with brother and sister Sheets. And, and while those are good people, I enjoy them. I, I, the worship experience. That's the reason why in Colossians 3 it says this. It says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. And so one of the, one of the massive benefits of belonging to the body of Christ is how it impacts our, our worship, right? And how it, it, it empowers our worship. It's the reason why typically in the life of the Christian where we see the greatest expression of spiritual gifts is in, a, is in the worship experience, right? Most people 
the only time they have where they speak in the, in their, in the spiritual language that the God offers is in an expression of worship. When we see tongues and interpretation of tongues, when we see prophetic utterances, they oftentimes, they flow out of worship. Why? Because the corporate worship environment, it's empowering. And when you're, when you're not here, you miss it. And let me go a step further. When you're not here, our experience is less. Why? Because we're in this thing, we do this thing together. It makes a difference in your life, and you make a difference in the body. I'll tell you why this is, why this is so important to me. Because I know that there are so many people. I have people in, in my relationship circle that have bought into this hellish lie that they can be a Christian but not be connected to church. And they've allowed the enemy to convince them on all these things that they think are wrong with the church. And so they're trying to do this alone. You cannot, you cannot, and I know there are people who would love to argue with me theologically about this, you cannot do Christianity in a healthy fashion alone. You absolutely cannot. And I'll walk you through scripture after scripture after scripture where it says, let us, let us, let us, let us. Encourage one another. Restore one another. uh, uh, Inspire one another. Spur one another. And it starts with this issue of worship. And then what that does is it, it impacts our faith. The next let us statement here in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Jesus made this clear in Matthew chapter 18 when he said, if two or more agree on anything, that power of agreement, This is why every Sunday morning at the end of our time together, we invite you to come and spend time here at the front of these steps. It goes from being the front of the stage to being an altar where we give our concerns, where we present our requests, where we confess our faults, where we bear one another's burdens, where we agree together in prayer. And the enemy loves to convince you that you should stay right where you're at rather than coming forward and letting somebody pray a prayer with you. And understand that when you do that, you're robbing yourself of energy and you're robbing the people up here of the blessing of being connected to a breakthrough that God wants to bring into your life. That's why that prayer time is so strategically important because it does impact in your life and encourages those around you and it's a testimony to the world that the body of Christ works. And so we, we do this thing together. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we see this issue of, 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 of faith being energized together. I love the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. When the children of Israel are facing the the, the Philistines, and they are massively outnumbered, and they have no weaponry. But Jonathan looks at his armor bearer, and he says, listen, let's go over to the Philistine garrison. Let's go over to the Philistine, uh, Philistine outpost, 
And let's see if maybe God wants to do something. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Jonathan's armor bearer looks at him and says, do whatever's in your heart to do. I'm with you, heart and soul. There's something wonderful, there's something powerful, there's something inspiring that happens when faith is a mutual faith. Faith is energized in the context of together. You can have faith alone, but faith is empowered when there's agreement. And the enemy wants to keep you from that. The enemy is full on one of the greatest assaults that our culture is facing, not just the church, but contemporary culture is this onslaught of isolationism. And if any organization, if any civic group, if any institution should be a pushback against what the enemy is trying to do on this issue of isolationism, it has to be the church. And here's the reason why it has to be the church. Because the church is not following the pattern of these other civic organizations. Understand this, the church will always be the key influencer. It should not surprise you that other other civic organizations are seeing a decrease in commitment if the church is seeing a, a decrease in commitment. Because we are the influencing agent in the world. We've known that from the very beginning Jesus made that clear when he said that you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We don't have the choice of not being that. It's who God has designed us to be. And so because we have to have, as a culture, we have to have a greater connection, the church has to be the influencing agent in that. And it's important because it impacts our worship, our connection with God. It impacts the vertical relationship that we have. It impacts our faith, the confidence that we have in God. Let me tell you what else it influences. It it influences the way that we respond to life's challenges. Right? The scripture that we started with this morning, let us consider how we can challenge one another or spur one another onto love and good deeds. Let us Consider how we, may, how we may spur one another, push, challenge. I'm a, I'm a better Christian because of you. I'm a better husband because of you. I'm a better man because of you. I'm, be, I'm, a, I'm a better pastor because of you, because of your involvement in my life. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the impact that the body of Christ has in my life. Our city is better because we're here. And yet we're just scratching the surface. As we become more involved and better connected, the difference that it makes. In fact, let me say this. If you were to do a, st- if you were to do a, a 
just a, a review of your life journey, here's what I can guarantee you. Across this room, those who will watch this via live stream or in video, if you were to think back, some of the most fulfilling moments in your life have been when you were the most deeply involved in body life, in church life. And what you do is you, 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 you reminisce about those days. You, you look back on those days. Okay? Now let me go from preaching to meddling. You talk about you wish that the church could be what it was back in the day. And you wish the church could be what it was back in the day, and you show up two Sundays out of the month. Come on now. Okay? And, and, and what, was, what was your level of involvement in the church back in the day? That, 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 what you want the church to be like? Right? You were here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You were here for Sunday school. In fact, if somebody was washing the windows at church, you'd be sitting there watching them wash the windows. Right? You were there every time the church doors are open. And, and now what happens is this, is we have this excuse. Well, you know what? I have all these things going on. Let's go back to our values. Wow, Pastor, you've go, really gone from preaching to meddling. Absolutely, because that's the job I do. This is important. I, I'm convinced it is powerfully important. Because if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And the enemy wants to convince you that two to three Sundays sitting here for an hour and a half is enough. And, and here's the thing. Even step away from the message this morning. Think about your own experience. Again, when the church was most beneficial in your life and when life was working the best for you, you were fully engaged. And when those challenges came, when those tough moments came, here's what you had. You had energized faith. You had helpful relationships. Because of where you were in your worship experience, you had this wonderful focus on God, and so you could believe Him for miracles. The answer for the church today and not just the church, the answer for our nation is that we, we no longer be people who are attenders and that we become the church that God has called us to be. In fact, here's my challenge to you. We need to stop going to church. Might sound strange for a pastor to say, but you need to stop going to church. This can't be something that you do. If it's something that you do, we've got great music in this church. You'll find just as, just as good of music all over Orlando. We've got all kinds of great entertainment in this town. Okay? I'm not that attractive to look at, and I'm not that great to listen to. If you want to be entertained, you'll find much better entertainment in Orlando. We're one of the entertainment capitals of the world. If this is something that you do, there are a lot better options.
if it's a part of who you are, when you realize that God has called you to this, and God has designed it to be an integral part of who you are, the benefits of, the strength that comes from, the life enhancement that you receive from being a part of a church family, of being deeply connected, they are absolutely immeasurable. And the biggest is this, let us not become, let us not give up meeting together. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us this, it tells us that we're supposed to encourage one another and build each other up. See, being a part of the church family, it, it has big impact on, on my worship, on your worship, on our worship. It, it brings a wonderful strengthening to our faith. It positions us well when we face those challenges in life. Right? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said that in Ecclesiastes, right? Where one might be overtaken, two can resist because a, thord, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. It's why I belong to church. It's why I'm not going to miss it. It's why when I'm away on vacation, I go to church. I'm, I'm grateful to be the pastor of this great fellowship. If I lived in this town and I wasn't the pastor of this church, I would be here every Sunday. If, if, I, didn't, if I didn't have a, a full-time job here at Calvary, if I, if I worked at Disney or Lockheed or Verizon or any of the number of people that, that have um, employment centers here, you'd still find me here every Sunday morning. Not only would I be here every Sunday morning, but friends, I'd be connected to a small group. Men, I'd, I'd figure out a way to be at that Saturday men's Bible study because I, I want to be a better man. And I'm just smart enough to know that I can't do it on my own. And, and even in those areas that I can do it on my own, I seem to get further faster when I'm doing it with somebody else. That's, that's what I've noticed. I, um, since moving here, life has just been very busy for me. And uh, when I lived in Illinois, uh, I went to the gym at least three days a week and went with a couple of guys from the church. So it kind of really challenged me, really un encouraged me to, to stay physically fit. Monday going to the gym was a wake-up call for me because looking at myself, I didn't look much different than I looked a year and a half ago, um, but I realized in one workout, how far I had regressed. 
And uh, even though I, I, I do some exercising at home by myself, uh, it's not nearly as effective as, as being a part of a group that, that does this thing. I, I enjoy running, and, and I'll, I'll, I, I go and run. My fastest times running are always when I'm running with someone else. I will always run consistently, significantly faster when I'm running with someone else, when I've got someone there to encourage me. Why? Well, I'm created in God's image. And one of the big things that we know about God is God's a relational being. It is not God's desire to, to do life alone. We know that because He created us to have a relationship with Him, right? And so if I'm created in God's image, if I'm created in His likeness, and God is this highly relational being, it would make sense then that I'm a highly relational being. Well, Pastor, I just like to be alone. That's a lie, sir, ma'am. That's a lie that the enemy tries to get you to buy into. And this isolated life is not serving you well. I'm a pretty private person. That's how God made me. Not so much. God designs you to be a together person. Culture has convinced you that it works best alone. But in your isolation, the enemy has created you to be a victim. And God has brought you here this morning, ma'am, sir, God has brought you here this morning to set you free from this prison of isolation and to encourage you, to challenge you, some of us even to spur us To going beyond individualism to being a part of the body. To move from a tender to being fully engaged in what God has for us. Here's my challenge to you. Test it. Test it. Put it to the test. That's what happened in my life. Growing up, I knew about God. I had even casually attended church somewhat for a little while regularly when I was a kid. I'd get on the church bus and go to church. So I knew enough about God to know that He existed, but, but never fully involved, never fully engaged. And when I made the decision to follow Christ, the first day of school, my junior year in high school, laying in that hospital bed, broken leg, internal injuries, this is what I said. I said, God, I'll give you 90 days. I'll pray, read my Bible, go to church. I'll do everything that Christians are supposed to do, everything that I thought Christians are supposed to do, right? And in those 90 days, God proved himself real. 
Friends, I... Some Sundays I'd walk the four and a half miles to church. Many Sundays, they have Sunday morning church and then Sunday night church, and because I knew I didn't have a ride to get back to Sunday night church, I'd ask them if they would just let me stay in the church all day. And they would lock the doors of the church, so if I went out, I, I couldn't get back in. So basically I had to sit in the church all day. You know, looking back on that, I wonder why nobody in that church ever said, hey, why don't you come to lunch with us? But be that as it may, it, it, it didn't matter to me. That wasn't my deal. I just said, you know what, God? I'm going to give you the opportunity to prove yourself. And, and when, I, when I did that, when I, when I engaged God, not just casually, not just culturally, but when I engaged fully, He transformed my understanding. He changed my life. In the fulfillment that is found in Christ, it is absolutely breathtaking. Church done halfway is frustrating. And here's the reason why. Because there's the side of you that knows that you should be more involved. But in the midst of that, you battle with all the activity that you've got going on in your life. And you try to figure out how you're going to balance all this. And it, it never balances. Why? Because the enemy is going to throw more opportunity at you and more distraction at you than you can handle while being engaged in church life. And if we succumb to the busyness, the relationship with Christ and with Christ's family will always be kept to a minimum. It will always be kept on the back burner. Why? Well, part of that is because Satan knows that you have enough of an understanding of God that he can't pu completely pull you away from the church, at least not yet. Right? A lot of us have friends that Satan has been able, he's been effective in doing that and pulling them, completely pulling them out of church. And they've gone to being completely de-churched and they'll tell you that they're still a Christian, they just don't go to church anymore. Because they, they, they can be a Christian without going to church. Again, it's a lie from the enemy. It absolutely does not work. So I'm here this morning to challenge you. Dive in. Move from being a skeptic, a seeker, to being a, a regular participant. Move from being an attender to actually being a member. Move from two to three times on a Sunday morning to saying, listen, this is going to be a priority. Being in God's house for corporate worship is going to be a priority. And knowing that I need to grow in Christ, I'm going to find a small group in the church to be connected to. Because I've got to have those deeper relationships. Do it for 90 days. 
and see if what I'm telling you isn't true. That it changes your life. Those of you in the Orlando area that watch us over video, come and join us here, here. Not sitting in front of your television screen, not sitting in front of your computer. Come and join us here for 90 days, three months, and see if it doesn't change your life. If you're, if you're watching from, from somewhere around the world, man, I'm, I'm thrilled that you join us. If there's a church in your town, I like the fact that you watch us. I would much have you going to that church than sitting watching us on a computer screen because you, you've got to get involved in body life. It's not just about believing. It's also about belonging. Because there's power in that. Let's stand together. Pucci, you did a song for the offertory. I'd like for us to do that song again. And, and here's what I want you to notice, church, is I want you to notice what happens when you do this thing together. I want you to notice what happens when you engage together. I want you to notice what happens when you worship together. I want you to, I want you to sense the corporate energy that's here. This is why we do this. This is why belonging is so important. Go ahead, put you lead us.
God, for, for what you bring into this moment, we stand in reverent awe. This gift that you've given us of belonging to you, of being members of your household, part of your family. We're not here as, as guests today. Even those of us that it's our first time here at Calvary or our first time in a long time. We're not guests this morning. Because your word reminds us and the Holy Spirit encourages us in this moment with this reality that we're connected. We're more than connected. We're community, but, but we're more than community. That we're family. And wow, God, in that, in that there's peace, there's strength, there's comfort, there's confidence, there's hope. Thank you for this thing of together. Thank you for this thing of belong. God, I pray first this morning for, for those who have felt very detached very detached from the church, very detached from the body. The enemy has been working overtime on them to, to try to pull them away. In fact, they've said those words in recent days. I, I feel disconnected from the church. I feel detached from the church. God, you've, you've brought them here this morning that they can obtain victory over that. 
And I thank you for the encouragement that you're bringing to them right now. And not just the encouragement, but the godly challenge that you're bringing them to reconnect, to re-engage. God, I pray for those who have yet to experience the wonder of being connected to you and connected to your family. I thank you that even right now that you're knocking on the door of their heart saying it's time to stop being a, a skeptic. It's time to stop being a spectator. It's time to engage. Maybe you don't have all of the questions answered, but there's enough of the questions that are answered that, that you know it's time to take that risk and to take that step and engage in what God's doing in your life and engage in what He's doing in the church. Finally, oh God, I pray for those who are here and those who aren't here but are watching from a distance. That they carry scars and they carry hurts from the humanity of the church and the mistakes that the church sometimes make. And God, those, those pains and those hurts and those scars have put them in a place where they have substantially disengaged. I thank you, God, that even now that you're encouraging them that Calvary, who Calvary is today, that this is a safe place that it's a safe place to engage, that it's a safe place to connect, that it's a safe place not just to attend, but that it's a safe place to belong. And you're calling them right now, God. You're wooing them back home. Just sense, God, that prophetically that you want me to say to them today, Welcome home. You're home. God, let that be a, just a great truth. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a closing prayer. And, and as I do, members of our prayer team, our leadership team, they're going to be across the, the front here. Prepared to help you to do more than just attend. Prepared to help you belong. Maybe for you it's a, it's a prayer accepting Christ for the first time. Maybe for you it's a reconnection. Perhaps this morning you, you've, you've come in with, and life has got some challenges for you. It's got some burdens. Well, the Word of God says we bear one another's burdens. You need provision. You need, you need wisdom. You need healing. You need whatever you need. The prayer offered in faith, that prayer of agreement, it's powerful, it's effective. So as I pray, these folks are going to come, they're going to be across the front of this stage, at the base of the steps. 
at the close of my prayer, if that's you, okay, and you need to connect with God or you're carrying a burden, do not walk out. Don't walk underneath any of these exit signs before you come forward. And let them take a moment or two to pray with you because miracles happen here. Lives are changed here. Destinies are impacted here. And God's brought you here this morning to not simply attend, but to belong. Father, I thank you for this privilege of belonging. That this morning is not simply a church event. It's not simply an activity. But it's us coming together as your children doing life together. Finding strength in worship. Finding an empowerment in our faith. Knowing that we've got those who walk with us in challenge. And seeing relationships that are an encouragement. As we come to the end of this time together, thank you, God, that we are still the church and we still do this thing together. Let Calvary be the church that you've called us to be. And let us not be a place, let us be a people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great week. Tell somebody about Jesus this week.